podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Blue Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And this week I've got uh, two guests in the studio, two regulars. We've got Dave Hodgson. Good evening. And we've got Joe Doherty. You're right. And uh, on the phone we've got a City legend with 103 appearances, 19 goals, and someone who got 21 England under 21 caps, seven England B caps, and one of the biggest injustices in the world, never had a full England cap. But you're very welcome. Welcome, Gary Owen. Yeah, good evening. And you've got that information on Wikipedia. Which Wikipedia has gone wrong. So go on, update us then, Gary. Give us the, uh, the, the exact well, stats. Think, well, it has to be more than 19 goals to start with because I scored 14 in one season. So it has to add up to more than 19 uh, for that. And as for the appearances, it was 150, I think, or something like that. Because I think Wikipedia only class as league games, not cup games and other stuff, I think. Ah, right, OK. So, uh, but I think I saw most of those 150-odd games anyway, Gary, during those 1970s. It was a, a great side, a fantastic team, wasn't it? It was an excellent side. You had youth and experience. You think that almost in every position was an international at one level or another. Um, and Joe Corrigan, if he'd have been in a different era, would have had far more England caps than he did. But it was the Shilton and the Clements era that probably blocked his path a little, although... I think he still holds a great record. He made his debut against Italy. And I'll, I'll just tell you the story because I didn't even know about it until recently. Mm. He made his debut against Italy in New York, came on at half-time with the team losing 2-0 and ended up winning 3-2. So that's not a bad uh, debut for Big Joe, is it? <laughs> it's not indeed. What a great keeper he was as well. Mm. And, and we, were, we were having a chat before we came on air and we'll come on to, obviously, the debacle at, uh, at Stoke. But, but one question we're keen to know, was there a kind of, we're thinking of company and, and, and the fact that, you know, we don't seem to be able to win without him. Was there a, a player of that era, Gary, who you felt City couldn't play without? Was there anybody in that team who had the sort of influence that Vincent's obviously got on the current side? Um, t- to be fair, I looked at the team, before we talk about our team, I looked at the team that was, was set up against Stoke and there was nothing wrong with that team on paper. But it's, it's different having a team on paper and having a team out there. Stoke wanted it more. They, they didn't just out-battle us, they out-played us, which, which was a, uh, as you said, a debacle, um, which, which made it all, all the more hard to digest um, at the 90 minutes. But Stoke fully deserved to win the game and really 2-0 flattered us because it could have been 4-5. or five. Um, In our team, when we played... We were quite fortunate because we had leaders all the way through, whether it was in the back, in midfield, or, or forward. So, you know, we were we were quite strong. We had plenty of leaders uh, that, if one was missing from the back, then somebody else would 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 take the the band, the armband, and and, and wear it with with a dignity. Because when you think of Doyle, Boothy, uh, Dave Watson in the back, and Willie Donachie, Kenny Clements. Um, and then in midfield, obviously, it was uh, Acer. Um, Colin, bless him, had, had just got the injury when I got in into the side in 77. So although he tried to get back, he couldn't get back. I mean, in modern days now, the, the injury that he sustained, he would have been back because of the, the crucial ligaments. Yeah. Although it was, uh, it, it was a terrible injury for him to get. 
modern technology now would have meant that he would have come back and it wouldn't have been a career-ending injury, although he did try to come back a few times and ended up at some times playing in the back four for us when we needed him. So you just showed you the quality of player that the Colin was, that he could play in almost almost any position. I think if we, we would have needed him, he would have played up front as well. And uh, it, it's a shame that his career was... Uh, was cut short by tragedy, um, and we talk about him quite a lot because we get a lot of the young lads on who, of course, never had the opportunity to mm-hmm. see him. Unlike myself and one or two of the other contributors, and of course, for me, he was absolutely the greatest player uh, to wear a sky blue shirt. Present company accepted, Gary, of course. Uh, <laughs> but but other guys talk about silver today, and I'm just wondering from you. Obviously, you have the benefit of playing with King Colin. Uh, you've yeah. obviously see, see silver at close hand. Colin Bell still ahead of him in your view, or would you say silver's sort of knocking knock players? Out? Different players completely. Colin was not a playmaker. Colin was somebody who could defend, he could get forward, he could score goals. David Silva is more of our playmaker. Um, you know, Colin had the had the license to just bomb forward on all occasions, and you know, and that's why he scored so many goals and set up so many goals because he was always his his first and form, uh, foremost was to to get forward uh, and cause um, and cause the opposition problem. But he, he was also because of the great energy that he had and a great uh, um, uh, um, fitness. You know, he, he he could be one of the pitch in, in one minute, and then and almost in the same breath, he would be at the other end of the field. So he, you know, he was he was the midfield player in that generation that that could do everything, could defend, could um, could attack, and had a great engine on on him as well. David Silva, I think. Is more technically gifted than what um, and, and what Colin was, but Colin, uh, you know, still probably the best player that uh, I played with when I was in Manchester City. Although it was only short-lived because, as we said, of the injury. But I saw him close up in training. I saw him how how hard he fought to get back and did get back, but obviously not to not to the standards he had before he, he got the injury. And as I say, it you know it was a crying shame now because. Technology would have meant the injury they had. He would have come back from that and been the same player again. Absolutely. Let, let me bring in sort of Dave and Joe and, and, and bring us sort of sort of forward to, to this weekend and, and the Stoke game. Dave, can I ask with you? Is it is it simply we can't play with company? Was it the fact that Company Aguero and Torre, you know, that spine they talk about? Okay, Hart was back. Was it the windy conditions? You know, is it? Otamendi and Dimichelis at the back, is it, or is it, as Gary said, is it just Stoke wanted it more than us? I'm going to say something I never thought I would ever say. There was a tactical masterstroke by Mark Hughes. <laughs> he watched the game, I guess, against Liverpool, and he saw how badly we failed to deal with the gegenpressing style that Klopp implemented, where there was a Liverpool player on us every second, someone pressing for the ball. They moved forward at pace and speed, and with real sort of guile and you know they, they wanted it more than us and we saw that you know particularly that every time Silver got the ball he was crowded out every you know Bonnie was left isolated and they saw how slow our centre-back pairing was Shakiri just dominated everyone was running rings around people and they were playing these balls that exploited Demichelis lack of pace Otamendi's not the quickest either that was getting exploited every time they clearly watched us they clearly saw our weaknesses and they know they know, and it seems to be the case now that teams are looking at us and thinking, you press them, you really push them, and exploit certain areas of weakness. This side is very, you know, then they can be brought down. Joe? Yeah, it's a big change, and 
in the past, it's weird actually. We always wanted teams to come on to us a bit in the past because it was always our our, our ideal game was a team that we that wasn't as good as us that would press us high up the pitch or would attack us. But the, our our sort of Achilles tendon was the teams that would park the bus on us. But it's almost the opposite now because you know we've been getting some good results against teams that defend against us this year. But we've been very very poor against, like you say, Dave, the gag and pressing team uh, implement that Klopp's brought. And, you know, it's worrying because the more teams that do it against us, we should be di- learning from this. And Klopp did it to us a few years ago, and I, I was hoping we might have thought about that before the game against Liverpool and maybe the game against Stoke. But it's quite worrying the way that teams are beating us, teams that we're much better than are beating us with ease with this tactic. A, a master stroke, Gary, from, from Mark Hughes, playing those three up top, you know, the Bojan, Shakira, and, and Artovic. Was that, you know... I can't, pronou- well, the, I can't the, pronounce them, but you know who I'm talking lie. about. <laughs> the masterstroke, of course, might use... Uh, I've seen what uh, Klopp and other teams have done closing us down, but to, to, to be honest, you expect that. You, you, you expect teams, that's the least of the, jo- uh, the job, is to be able to put a shift in and close people down. That's what you should be doing, whether it's against us or for us. But when you defend like... Um, you know, And I've been... A fan of Sanya this uh, this season. I thought he's he's justified his place in the team at right back, even when Pablo was fit, and I never thought of himself saying that because I'm a big supporter of Pablo Zabaleta. But the two goals that he that he allowed, and I'm saying he allowed because, it, in my opinion, it was his fault for both goals. Okay, you can argue the collar off was out of position or slow when he got past him, but then you've got Otamendi. And you've got Dimichaelis, that is still between um, Sh- Shakira, I think it was, and uh, um, and Joe Hart. But Sonia, basic rules of football is you've got to be able to see your man and you've got to be able to see the ball. You've got to be in between both of those. And he absolutely turned off on both goals, which allowed the name he can't say, whatever his name is, to <laughs> score the two goals. And, and it's basic bad defending for professional of his standing for it to happen once is 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 a joke but to happen to happen twice with the same player in the same game is unacceptable and if people can't see that uh, he was a fault for those goals then then we do have a problem because all he did was he switched off michael richards had a terrible habit of doing that all the time i can remember the derby one time when michael owens scored the um the fourth one to beat us 4-3 in the derby. Yeah. If Michael Richard on that day would have had the ball and had the player, Michael Owen would never have got in. Ryan Giggs played him in and he got the winning goal and beat us 4-3. I think he was when Mark Houston playing about how long uh, at a given time. But Michael Richard had that proper ball watching and Sanya, for an experienced player like him, it surprised me to not get done once but twice and without doubt he was a fault for both goals. Joe? I agree. I think that Sanya was absolutely at fault. He was, I mean, Arnautovic is the left winger. He should be tracking him at all times. But as well as that, Sanya's worst two games this season have been in the two games we've been gegenpressed, if you like, uh, Liverpool and Stoke. And apart from that, he's been one of the best players in the team. So, yeah, yeah I think that... Um, I think that he's a weakness that's exploited. And I think that Zabaleta, obviously he's not fit at the moment, I think he would be much better suited for that style because he never switches off. Can we just, can we just go back, Dave, to, to this, this company issue? And I, I don't think we've got a date yet, have we, from coming back? He's certainly not back for, for the Borussia Mönchengladbach game, which I'm sure we'll come on to at the end. Arsenal, I think. It's going to be a couple of weeks' time yet, but it's still not confirmed. So, so just talk us through your views of, of the importance of company then for us. And, and the statistics speak for themselves. Why is it? How, how can a player have such an influence on a back four? 
Well, he shouldn't. Oh. It's, he shouldn't be completely invincible in, in the way that... Uh, invincible, I mean, completely irreplaceable in the way he is. Um, I think the problem we've had at the moment is we've got a lot of different issues going on in that back four. I think Demichelis is probably pushing it now. I think his legs are going. He doesn't look like he's got the pace to deal with things. Osamendi's adapting to a new league, which we expected. You know, it's, it's not an easy transition. And Mangala has confidence issues. I think Mangala has looked better alongside company. And I think Otamendi has, in turn, looked better alongside company because he's seasoned, he's experienced, he's, actually, he's, got, he's got the pace and the strength. I think and he has this sort of aura of calm, which I think is very important. Gary, it, it can't be a coincidence, can it? You know, the number of games that companies missed and the statistics, as I said before, speak for themselves. He's, he's, we miss him enormously, don't we? Absolutely, of course. I mean, he's our captain and he's our leader and he plays, he plays a captain's role. He leads by example. Um, he, he obviously... Um, can organise our defence a lot better uh, than, than than other parents, which is, is obvious because you only just can look at the results. But you'd have thought that Osamendi and Demichelis, they played in a national team alongside each other. You know, so they speak the same language. They, you know, they're both experienced players. You wouldn't have thought that they could have got pulled that ragged that they did. And, you know, even though we said the two goals, I mean, that game couldn't have five. I mean, it, it was... In, in fact, the longer the game went on, the less I could watch it. In the end, I turned it off because I couldn't see it anymore because I couldn't see the scoring. I couldn't see him getting back into it. Did we have a shot and goal? I don't think so, did we? Uh, De Bruyne. I can't remember. I think, De, Bru- I think, goal, I think, uh, I think De, Bruyne had, De Bruyne had one shot, I think, didn't he? I think, yeah. 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 Maybe, OK. Well, we'll last the part, I didn't see. But, but Vincent is obviously a, a big player for us. But uh, my, my concern is, is why does he keep picking up calf strains? He picks them up, you know... This isn't just happening now. It's happened over the past two, three years. Mm. He picks up calf injuries, I mean, on a regular basis. A little bit like Ryan Giggs used to get hamstring injuries and Michael used to get hamstring injuries. And then they had to change, I mean, they had to change their whole lifestyle to be able to play more games and and, and not have this hamstring problem all the time. I mean, to, to one extent, I think Giggs had to change his car. I think uh, Owen and... Uh, Gigs had to change the the bed, even because it was you know uh, to, to, so the muscles could could relax more easily yeah. when they were sleeping. So they had to change the whole routine. That's coming earlier, do extra stretching exercises to allow them to play more games. Vincent has obviously got a problem with his calves. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. And so you know we've got enough medical people there, and we've got enough know-how now, and good people in charge that. That maybe he has to maybe change his training routine, or maybe changes his his way of playing, or style of playing, or warming up. I don't know, but there's something that keeps bringing this calf injury back. And you know, when we get injuries, we don't have one where where somebody misses a game. Like David Silva missed two months a season. Yeah. You know, Vincent, how many games have you played? You know, he seems to miss more games than he plays. And these are vital places. Aguero. I mean, Aguero is almost like like brittle bones syndrome because it was an innocent jump by, I think, Otamendi that landed on him. And, and he's missed, well, at least three games um, um, counting at 290 if he's not involved. So, I mean, almost an innocent challenge on him. Whatever he does, is, you know, and then he's out injured again. We've got to be looking at this and, and you know, we need to be finding uh, what's, what's causing all, all these injuries and why they're being so severe and why you're taking so long 
to get our players back onto the pitch because, as, as you said at the start, is that when you're missing Yaya Torre and Aguero and David Silva, it is the spine of the team. And, and, the, and the three, they're probably our three most important players. Yep. And, and we're missing them it's far too often. OK, Joe? Uh, well, yeah, I totally agree. And it's what's really been annoying me in recent weeks is company goes away to Belgium, he comes back, oh, slight knock, bit of a precaution, suddenly he's missing, like, six weeks. Aguero, on Twitter, oh, just a, just a tap on the ankle, nothing to worry about, and now he's missed two games out of it. It's really annoying me. And there's clearly a problem with the medical staff there. If, if twice in recent weeks, two of our most important players, if not our most important players... Have, have gone from, oh, just a little precaution to missing key games and really costing us points. It's really worrying. Let, let's try and turn it positive. Or if, can we find a positive at all? Were there any City players, Dave, that you, that you saw at the weekend against Stoke who put in a shift at all? I can't really draw many positives from it. I, I, can I bring in another negative? I'm, I'm sorry, I've, I've got to say this, but Bonnie Oof. was very isolated, and that's putting it nicely. He's either... N- he didn't look at any point like he was really actively trying to integrate himself in that game. He was isolated and wasn't doing anything about it. This is becoming a problem now because with we know Aguero is only going to play 20-odd games a season. We've got Bonnie, who obviously is our second-choice striker. We're going to be reliant on him, and he's not currently delivering the goods. Don't get me wrong, I think he's got the ability to do some very good things for the club and gives us a very different option. But at the moment, while he's not delivering, and for whatever reason, Iheanacho is not seen as ready to start, we've got to be looking in January. Are we going to bring someone in? Because that is currently a real limiting factor on our, our development. Yeah, I, I agree about Bonnie. But uh, going back to what you were saying, you want a positive? I do want to. I'm looking for a positive, and, and he, he talks about Bonnie. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a player who I'm really positive about at the moment, that's Delph. He I don't know why he didn't start the game, to be honest with you. I thought he'd, he would have been useful in that. But I was just thinking about what Gary was saying, about how um, Colin Bell as a player, he could defend, he can attack, he had a good engine, he'd run all day. I'm not saying he's anywhere near as good as Bell, but I think the closest player we've got to that in the team is possibly Delph at the moment. He's certainly a very good replacement Fernandinho. for Fernandinho. Oh, yeah, that's a shout. Well, I was going to throw in De Bruyne as well, because not on Saturday. I don't, don't know your view here, Gary, but in terms of Delph, obviously, and we've got two, two midfielders there in Delph and De Bruyne. Either of those you know, caught your eye particularly? Are there any positives to say on either of those for the weekend? Kevin De Bruyne is an outstanding player. He's an outstanding player. In, in fact, even though he was probably the one that never, never gave up on Saturday. OK, he might not have always gone uh, well for him, but he... He puts shifted, there's no two ways, and he always puts a shifted. I think um, I, I, I can't go along to, to put Delph in the same even breath as Colin Bell. I mean, I can't even do that. Uh, we can, uh, but Kevin De Bruyne will be, well, not will be, he is an exceptional player and he'll be great for us. I, I think when you look, he's had, I think in 16 games, he scored nine goals mm. and, he's, and he's had eight assists, I think, in 16 games. I think... Um, the positive side to all this is that we're, we're one point off the top of the league. We're in the next stage of the Champions League. We're in the semi-final of the Capital One Cup. There's nothing more else we can do. There is, there is Gary. We're still... We're still ourselves uh, where we are this morning. And this is with us saying that we're not, we're not playing like we should be playing. So the positive side to it, I believe, is this, this team and these players can only be better and if we get better and we're already at these stages 
is that we want these players to now start and the team to gel at this time of season because this is the start of the season where you get into the business side of it. Christmas time, you know who the runners and riders are for the Premiership. I believe it'll be won this year with less points than anybody's ever won it before because I think everybody's getting beat. Uh, You know, I mean, who'd have thought the Liverpool would have gone to Newcastle and got beat 2-0 after seeing the performance against us? You know, and so, you know, and Manchester United... (laughs) Four goalless draws at Old Trafford in the last six. Mm. And as a Manchester United team, ever been like that. So there's a lot of teams that nobody, Arsenal getting beat at West Brom. I mean, it's it's almost as though nobody wants to take the mantle and say, right, you know, start chasing us. But we will get better. So I'm tr- not quite sure that Arsenal could, could, could be any better than what they've shown already. Uh, and I think they're only on the same point as us uh, or whatever. So Leicester has been the surprise package. We've got to watch it. But Leicester's problem will come is when they get injuries. I don't think they've had any real injuries yet to the main players. And obviously, one of the main players are is Vardy because he, he did 12 on the bounce. And obviously that. Uh, Mares who scored at against Swansea. When you start to lose, if they were to lose three players, and I know, listen, I'm not trying to compare our squad to Leicester's squad, but if you lose three of your key players, I don't call it Manchester City or Leicester City, it will affect you. Yes, and it has affected us, but we're still, we can't do any more than we can. The only thing we could do more is, is have an extra point to be top of the league, uh, and we were until we got beat at, at Stoke. And, and we would have been if we'd have picked something up at Stoke, still top of the league. Next stages of the Champions League and the semi final of the Capital One Cup, because they're the only cup that has got going yet. Um, so we're in a, a very good position where none of us are happy with how we're playing, and certainly not on Saturday. Joe. Well, it's it says a lot about what a poor league it is that we've been beaten four one twice by teams that are good but not as good as us, and we've lost two nil very poorly at Stoke, and yet we're still probably the favourites to win the league. I would suggest. I don't. It's like you said, Gary. I don't think Arsenal could do any better. Leicester. I mean, good for them. Um, if if we didn't win the league, I wouldn't mind them winning it. But they're not going exactly. to. Are they? They're going to finish eighth, probably Leicester. Good luck to them and good luck to Ranieri. But they've, re- they've we should be winning this league comfortably. I think the other I don't th- think. Listen, I don't think it's easy to win this league comfortably, and I'll tell you why. Because the, the days of when Liverpool had the domination, uh, Manchester United had the domination. I think at those points in time, Liverpool and Man United were able to go out and get the best players and nobody was able to compete with them because they had the money and they'd just go and outbid everybody. Well, when you think of the transfer fees that, that United paid, I mean, when they, I mean, we're going back many years when they bought Andy Cullen, paid nine million for him. I mean, it almost doubles the world record for, uh, sorry, uh, for a British player. I think Shearer was the, the most expensive. Uh, we went to Blackburn for three and a half million or something. Then all of a sudden Andy Cullen went for nine million. So, uh, you know, and now when people say about um, Kevin De Bruyne about saying, oh, 56 million, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so our Sterling at 50 million, which he's still got to prove himself to me yet, but he's only a young boy. So, you know, you, you buy the potential. That's what, that's what English or, or British players cost, English in, in particular. If you want to get young players, they have a price on it. Um, but, you know, I, I think that... Uh, that we as a team, when you look at our squad, and I, and I said, you're right, at the start we started to talk about Stoke, when you look at our team that we had out on um, Saturday, that was easily good enough to have beaten Stoke. But it's not easy 
are, are good enough against the dog. If somebody wants it more than you, or the dog give you time, and the dog give you space, and you're not prepared to work harder to get more space, or, or to, or, you know, or, or to go toe-to-toe with them. And I don't think we did. And uh, we were disjointed all, all the way through the side. And Bonnie, you know, for me, the size of him, and he's a, he, trust me, he is a fair old size. How easily he's been knocked off. I used to criticise Jekyll for the size of him. How he used to be pushed off the ball so easy and not win headers when he's about six foot five or whatever he was. And, and Bonnie now, he looks, a, he looks a shadow of the player he was at Swansea. Yeah, he, I, I it almost looks as though he feels he's not good enough to play with the players that's in there. It's like as though he's, he, you know, he's, he's no confidence in his own ability. I don't remember Joe Royal being dropped, uh, knocked off the ball quite as easily as that, eh, Gary, in your day, I, I, I bet. <laughs> you know, so, well, it, 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 when you said by day, yeah, exactly. But a lot of things are changing in, in, in football. We can't keep saying that it's, um, it's, it's the foreign players that's brought the play acting and the phone over. But it was almost, if somebody did kick you, you didn't want to let them see that they either hurt you or they'd caught you. I mean, it was almost, you know, I can remember playing against Roy Aiken and in putting six studs through him and splitting my ankle for eight stitches. And I could feel it starting to ooze, but I wouldn't let him see that he'd hurt me. Mm. But bloody hell, when I got off, and they took my sock off, and like, the, the wound was like eight stitches. And, and at that time, when uh, West Brom, when they moved to West Brom, you had to make sure that if you're going to be injured, you had to be injured in the first half, because the doctor was was ratted by half-time on the brandy. So, you can imagine... <laughs> By the time he comes to put those stitches in, you had no one that you had nothing, and his, and his needlework was not the best to start with. So, can imagine after slugging half a bottle of brandy to keep warm, he said. So, you had to make sure you got injured early doors at West Brom, because otherwise you was in the hands of, uh, of Jack the Ripper. Let me just... <laughs> Let me uh, let me just talk about the manager briefly, if I, if I can, because there's a lot of press going around. We know that Pep uh, Guardiola's sort of you know in the wings, and you know he's not signed a new contract at Bayern, and all, all sorts of uh, rumours going on. I'm just wondering, sort of uh, Joe, to start with, you know, your, your views. He's clearly not going to go this season, but there is a chance, even if we win the league, that he could well be gone if we don't progress in Europe. Uh, of course, if we win the quadruple, it would be quite difficult, I guess, for them to sack him. But what's your view of sort of? Is it just paper talk, or do you really believe that Pep's there, being lined up, and uh, Pellegrini is under threat? I think Pep is totally going to be lined up, and I I think Pellegrini will go at the end of the season because, um, let's be honest, we've really buggered our chance up of winning our group in the Champions League. We're going to get knocked out by Bayern or Barca in the next round, so that's that out of the way. League Cup is a very hard League Cup, not like last time when we won it, when we had, you know, that was it. West Ham, Sunderland, some other crap team in the semi. And now, now we've got Everton, Stoke and Liverpool. Two of those teams have battered us, so that's not a sir. FA Cup, obviously the draw's in any minute. We could we could finish this podcast and find out we've got, I don't know, Liverpool away or something. And then the league isn't even solid. I said we should win it this year, but with Pellegrini... For example, I think if we had Pep Guardiola in charge, we would not we would be miles ahead by now. We would not have lost any games like we have. We might have lost a couple. We, I think I genuinely think the only game we'd have lost this season with any manager in charge is actually West Ham. I think critical to Guardiola's sort of way of playing football is having, like he had Busquets at Barcelona, like he uses um, uh, is it Javi Martinez and Thiago now. He needs that sort of anchor in midfield who's strong, can quite good in the tackle, very neat and tidy, and plays the ball forward. And I don't think Fernando 
will necessarily be up for that in the way Guardiola plays. It'll be interesting to see, because I think from the moment we got Soriano and Bagidistein that Guardiola was someone they will be looking at very seriously. I think he, will, he would have to make quite a few changes to make that squad his own and bring his style of football into it. But it will be a beautiful thing to see and it would be very interesting to see how he adapts to the Premier League if he does. Well, our brand new iPhone app has been updated and is absolutely free at the iTunes store. It's a thing of beauty with all your shows there, videos, news, etc. Download it and leave us a nice review. And all the links to our Facebook page, Twitter and details of our fantastic phone app are all at citypodcast.net. And you can join us on Facebook and Twitter, which is at citypodcast. Let's sort of move on to, to Europe then. And obviously, uh, we've got to beat Borussia Mönchengladbach and hope that Juventus lose to Sevilla. Uh, the likelihood of that ha- happening then, Gary, uh, in the next 48 hours? Sevilla can beat uh, uh, Juventus. There's no two ways about it. They can because um, uh, on the day, as we've seen, I mean, they, uh, they turned over Barcelona um, only a couple of weeks ago uh, in, in Seville. So, you know, that is it's possible because I don't believe that Juventus, I think, for me, is probably one of the worst Juventus sides in recent years. I mean, um, yes, you talk about Pogba, and, uh, you know, but really, they'd lost a lot of their key players when Tethers went and Vidal went off to um, Bayern. I think they lost two very key players, you know. And But Juventus, if you look at them in the league now, I think they're only the table in the, uh, in, uh, in the Italian league. So, you know, Bruce Mugin Gladbach, again, are probably mid-table in their league or perhaps lower, but somebody's reignited them over the last two or three games because they're having the best, best spell now. And so it's going to be a difficult game, especially if we're going to be missing um, some players. But, you know, uh, will we, can we beat Richmond and Gladbach? Well, of course we can. And, and we should be looking to, to, to beat them because I don't think they are a top German side. You know, you're not playing the Bayern or you're playing the Dortmund who are top of the league and that's a level higher yes well of course we can beat them and we have to beat them because I think Juventus could slip up Juventus could slip up against uh, uh, Sevilla so that's what I'm hoping for we win the game and they get beat but but you know we wanted our um, our lives to be in our own hands and it's not because again we put in an inept performance in in Turing which meant that we got beat I mean we changed the side, which I don't think we should have done against uh, Liverpool, thinking one eye on that game. And in the end, we lost both games, um, which were both important games, obviously the league and the cup. We'd already qualified. I think players would always, always prepare to play, but there's a, I think doctors now are saying, or, or scientists are saying, that in football, in players' makeup, they can't play two games in such a short time. And it's, it never... It never occurred to me when you know when we were playing the same eleven for forty-two league games and whatever cup games. The only reason you change your side is if someone's injured or a big lack of form. But we seem to change, not us, but in general, teams seem to change just for changing sake because it's a, a different competition. Oh, let's give somebody else a game now, and it's not. You, you need the consistency. You need players playing alongside each other to get to know the game inside out. And when you swap and change, you might be done, especially at the back. I mean, we've had, you know, we've had everybody playing in the back and, and, and not playing with the same partner week in, week out. So, uh, as you've already said, I think Vinny's had Otamendi with him, he's had Mangala with him, he's had Dimakalis with him. I mean, 
Mangala's probably had the other three with him. So it's it, it's been a mix and match. I think certainly for a team, you need the spine of your team to be consistent, which means Joe Hart, your two centre-backs, your central midfield, which is obviously Yaya, and, and Aguero up front. If you can keep all them firing, then everybody else works around it. But when you're talking about the fourth, and for me, my favourite player is David Silva. He is, he's, for me, is um, a magician, but he needs runners. And, and, and Bonnie does not want to run the other side of defenders. He wants it, it being played into him. David Silva is looking to play balls inside of full-backs or inside of centre-backs so you can get runners on the end of it. And that's what was missing on, on Saturday. Every time you look for a runner to get through, there's nobody running. Everybody wants to play in front of the back four that made it easy for Stoke. So, Dave, in terms of the, the, the European campaign, I, I think Yaya's back. There's no company or Aguero. Dimichelis is out. Fernando's out. And, of course, we know about Nazri, Zabo. They're also sidelined as well. Um, it's not, as we said, as Gary said, it's not in our own hands now, is it? And it's, uh, it's not. We're, th- we're through, which is it's not, it's not all negative, as Gary said earlier. You know, there's lots of problems. We're through. We qualify with two games to go. I think, you know, at the end, we'd have all taken qualification from that group in whatever guise when it was offered to us at the start of the season. I think, by all accounts, the fact we qualified two games to, you know, with two games to go has been forgotten in all this. I'm, I'm quite happy with how Europe has gone. What I'd really like to see us do, as, as Joe drew on earlier, try Delph and Fernandinho at central midfield and then have your, you know, your De Bruyne, Silva and Sterling. Because I think that energy of Fernandinho and Delph will give us something more interesting. I don't think it'd be good to drop Yaya straight back in when I think he's been, he's been lacking this season. He needs to reflect a bit, you know... You need to work harder for the team. I think dropping him would be a good move. I'd like to see that midfield try. Give us a bit more energy, a bit more movement in midfield. And, you know, just try a few more things. Because we don't... The likelihood is Juve won't slip up. We, we need to try and win the game. But I think we should experiment a little with it too. Uh, uh, hopes and fears, Joe? I hope Navas plays. I thought... I like him. He's starting to... In the bad runs we've started to have, I have actually started to like him again because he just... He, he never, you don't actually feel like he's going to embarrass you. He's more of an embarrassment when you're doing... When the rest of the team makes him look bad. I really hope he plays. He works hard. He cares. I really hope Delft plays again because both of them on Saturday when they come on are the only two players that look like they were playing for the shirt. And yeah, I mean, I think Sterling needs a rest because he's had a couple of quite poor games and maybe needs to rest. And obviously, we've got Swansea at the weekend who've been defending very poorly this season. And, you know, if provided Monk doesn't get sacked in the week, we've got to be looking to win that very comfortably. And that's the sort of game that Sterling could excel in. It's also exactly the sort of game where Wilfred Bonney is like, you know, would, could stand to end his, end his dock. And, you know, that would be a great confidence booster for him as well to, to rekindle his form at his old club. Sterling against Liverpool, we all hoped for the same. wasn't exactly the return we were hoping for, was it? It was not. Well, there's a problem. There's a difference with that is that um, Sterling, I think he's quite fragile character and um, he's like a bit like Nasri whenever he goes and plays at Arsenal. Uh, the fans booing gets to him, whereas Bonnie isn't going to get booed by the Swansea fans. They all like him, and obviously last season he scored against them, he didn't celebrate, and their fans all clapped him. So I do think that does have an effect on the player. Let's not forget, Sterling is still a kid. He's, he's, learning, at, he's learning at a point where he's got a 49 million price tag slapped on him. He's seen as England's prodigy. You know, the, the poor guy is under so much pressure. I don't think he's been that bad this season. No. I think we're just judging him by false expectations and just watch. He is going to be a stunning player. We just need to give him time and we need to give him the opportunity to find his form. So, so, get, think, so I, Gary, just, just, just looking at uh, Swansea at the weekend, your, your thoughts about that game at home against Swansea? 
Well, you would, you would obviously think that you're going to that we're going to beat them because Swansea are on a terrible run, which is not which doesn't bode well for us because it's got to end sooner or later. Swansea, they can't keep going on and not win. I think they've gone 11, 12 games now that they've not won, so it's got to come to an end shortly. But you know, Swansea, Swansea can play good football. We've seen it. Maybe they've not shown it as uh, as, as much um, in, in the last eleven games as they have done previously. But they will come and try and play football, which which will suit us. But really, our home form has been excellent. And to, to take the Liverpool game away from it, I mean, almost if you a City supporter and you're going to home games, it's almost a given that, that your weekend is being made because we rarely lose, especially on a Saturday. So I'm thinking that Swansea. Rather go into other places than come to us on on Saturday, and Swansea might just be the the team we want that will come and try and play football, which uh, which will obviously suit us. But you know, as I think one of the guys has already said, that teams will look to see what Klopp did, what Stoke did, and they will look to close us down. But trust me, that's no easy feat because it's do that for ninety minutes. If you don't get yourself in front like Stoke did, trust me, yeah. It's it's hard work, and especially if you go goal behind to keep that sort of. It's okay when you're winning, when you're losing. Trust me, it makes life a lot harder. Running around, shaking, closing down because you, you you don't have that same belief when you go behind as what you do when you go in front. And that proved it when Stoke played and Liverpool played. They got in front, and they um, and they never looked back. So the key, I think, in Premier League all the time is if you know in front first. Well, we'll be, 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 before we go, let's just have one little bit of fun then. So we've still got the chance of the quadruple, and I'm just wondering, of the four, um, uh, prediction from each of you before we go then in terms of, uh, is it four out of four, is it none out of four? Let's start with you, Dave. Uh, out of the four, how many are we going to actually end up on the, on, in terms of on the, in the trophy cabinet? Two out of four. Two out of four. Joe? Uh, one. Which one's that? Premier League. And Gary, finally from you, my friend, out of the four. Well, we're not going to win four. I don't think. Uh, I don't think any team that is capable, certainly in England, of winning four trophies. Uh, for me, I think two trophies is is, is more than uh, uh, capable for us. I definitely want to win the Premiership. Uh, I don't know that may seem strange because some people say, "Well, Champions League," because that's uh, you're playing against the best in uh, in Europe. Then, but for me, I think we need to establish ourselves as as a top draw. Uh, first and foremost, as, as United have done in the past, and as Chelsea have done in the past, and we need to uh, we need to win the league again. I think he's already said that, Pellegrini. I think it's important for the club that we go further forward in in the Champions League than we have done. So, so that's a priority. I think that's why he changed the team uh, for Liverpool. And in my opinion, it was the wrong selection he made. And really, when the quarter, we win the semi-finals of uh, the Capital One, but but I think as as one of the guys said before. This is when the capital one starts. Just forget the rest of the game because you've got four premiership sides who all will be thinking on the day they've got a chance of winning this. And so, you know, there's no easy game for us going to Goodison Park. The good news for us, obviously, is over two games, you know, I can't see... Uh, over two games, I can't see Everton doing over two games. So that's, that's one uh, thing. But certainly Everton at home is a difficult place to go. So it's over two games. And then, depending if we get to the semi-final, who's in the final? Who would have thought that Liverpool would have got beaten by Newcastle on uh, on Saturday after the form they've shown? But they look as though they've got the bit between the teeth to try and get some silverware. So, whoever goes through, 
it's, it's going to be a tough semi-final and tough final, but I, I think we're more than capable of winning too. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Gary. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. And My pleasure, also guys. to Dave Hodgson and to Joe Doherty. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network.